Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Right before we went live, Mike said to me, let's rock and roll. Like he's the rockinest and the rollinest of all the rock and rolls. Gotta love it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Dear Pass Nation podcast with Ray Route. Guess what? My name is Ray Route. Guys, make sure you go check out rayroute.com. We got so much cool stuff happening over there. We really do. We really do. Let me just let me just show you here. Right. You guys already know the thing already, right? You can get all the podcast episodes. Look, there's last night's podcast. You can get the videos that were popping up. Right. 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 You get my blogs. What do I got up on the blogs right now? fantasy 101 hey guess what one of the topics tonight is shocking how bad nelson Aguilar performed for the patriots go read the blog ahead of time get some things big news peeps i was up on twitter today we got new designs out on the merch store look at those deer patch nation things mike you tell me you wouldn't want to buy those deer patch nation shirts look at that the graffiti we're calling it the, the graffiti shirts we got the toronto shirt and i've got a bunch of other cool designs that are done that are going to be coming up over the next couple of days and then uh, we're going to do a special draft one after the patriots do their first draft go check out rayroute.com r-a-y-r-a-u-t-h dot com got a big show for y'all tonight we're going to talk about another running back. We're going to talk about DeAndre Swift. Should you draft him? Where does he sit? We're going to look at uh, the newest segment. I mean, it's the segment we've been doing, but I came up with a thing. To bet or not to bet. And we're going to be talking about the San Francisco 49ers winning the Super Bowl. Of course, we're going to do our Patreon questions of the night because you can uh, do that through our Patreon account. The big headliner story. It's shocking how bad Nelson Aguilar performed for the Patriots last season. We touched on it last night while discussing Nikhil Harry, but we're going to get into a deeper conversation about that. Um, I got to do this for Mike. The Packers and the Raiders are discussing a trade for Darren Waller because no matter what I talked about last night, Mike kept trying to turn it back to the Darren Waller trade. And uh, listen, maybe Jacoby Myers has a place on this Patriots team after all, because I saw a really, really, really cool stat today. And uh, we'll get to that. But right now, let's bring in my co-host, producer Mike. Producer Mike, what's going on, dude? What's going on, Ray? What's going on, everybody? Well, a couple of big things we need to talk about, okay? A couple of changes before we really get started. First of all, 7.30 p.m. on Thursday night, we'll be kicking off the draft party half an hour before the draft starts. We'll be chatting away. We have confirmation that my boy Griff, uh, you guys probably see me on his podcast a bunch. I can't remember what it's called right now. Um, he's going to pop by at some point, and I got the big news today. The big name. The name? Mr. Connor Commentary is dropping by nice. right around the Patriots pick. He wants to be there for the Patriots pick. So nice. maybe we'll get another TikTok um, special like we did uh, last year. When uh, You know what? Let's, all, let's remind everybody. Oh, what, yeah, baby. What that looked like when uh, the New England Patriots took <laughs> In the 2021 NFL Draft, the six-time 
go! Let's 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 go! That's the quarterback of the future, baby, Bill Belichick. He was waiting for it the whole time. He's, he's like sprinting to the stage. Let's Dude, go. He's crying. He's he crying. So happy. He is so I am happy. Look at him. Look at that. Ladies and gentlemen, the Patriots have their quarterback. Here's what I can guarantee you, Mike. There will not be a reaction like that this year. This draft, you know what? I talked about this in one of my blogs this week over on RayRoute.com. And I was saying that this draft is a little bit different for Patriots fans because for the first time in the last four or five years, because we were even talking about this when Brady was here. I mean, we're going back to 18, Lamar Jackson. Yep. This is the first time we're going in. We're not talking quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking about all these other positions. It's been a while. So I doubt we're going to get that kind of reaction. You know, like, we were just the most, like, I know I played it a lot over the last couple of weeks, but Connor and I in that video, like, I don't think you could get more of a just a genuine reaction to what what we got out of that. But 7.30 p.m. on Thursday, we will be posting the link right after our live show on Wednesday. Uh, we'll be posting the uh, the draft party link and letting that sit there. We'll be coming on 730. Don't forget, at uh, immediately following the U.S. anthem, United States of America National Anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, I will serenade everybody with the rendition of O Canada. Excellent. And I will, ex- I will expect hats to be removed on the chest. Mike, you need a hat just to put on your chest while I sing O Canada for everybody. Okay, I'll get it. Um... Other big news, a little bit of a change to the live schedule. We may be live once a week, maybe none a week. Maybe got to throw a little bone, maybe once a week, live on Twitter, maybe micro content, that type of thing. Just we're growing. And as we grow, things got to change. We don't have a full plan yet, but Mike and I were just discussing before we came on. It's coming though, peeps. It's coming. Anyways, welcome to the show. Uh, Mike. Yes, sir. DeAndre Swift, running back, Detroit Lions. Uh, I think right now, because why would I not have this up and queued for you? He <laughs> is the he's a tier three running back. He's the twelfth mm-hmm. ranked running back on Fantasy Pros. Overall, I think he's in the twenties, so he's definitely a third or fourth round pick as we start getting forward here. But let me tell you a little bit about what we know about DeAndre Swift. We know that shockingly, he was the 59th ranked running back last season. Mm -hmm. Jamal Williams was ranked 28th, his Detroit Lions teammate. Uh, DeAndre Swift ended up with a 57.8 rating overall. A 60 pass grade, a 61.3 run grade, and a 58.5 receiving grade. Not necessarily, I don't know, like when you look at fantasy pros having them ranked as as the 12th best running back in, in the top 30 in picks, and then you go over and you look at his PFF grades, um, and listen, here it is, 151 carries, 30th in the NFL, 617 rushing yards, 30th in the NFL, uh, five touchdowns, uh, rushing touchdowns, tied for 23rd, 
He averaged 4.1 yards per carry, which was tied for 38th. But that's a stat that you got to relax a little bit because if a guy runs the ball three times, that his grade is going to, you know, his carry per average is going to be there. Uh, is a little bit of a threat in the run game or in the pass game. Had 62 receptions last year for 452 yards, two receiving touchdowns. So he had seven touchdowns in total. Five drops, too many drops. All these top yeah, guys that we're covering are ending up with like five, six, seven drops like crazy. So a little bit of a weird one, and I, I did write about this today on RayRoute.com. It'll also be up on DeanBlindell.com tomorrow. And basically what I was writing about it, it's DeAndre Swift is a little strange because if I was building an NFL team, he's probably a running back that I would want on my team. Like he's he's a dual threat. He'd probably be yep. a really good third down running back. Like he could be a James White type of person. I was just going to say the same thing. Yep. But he plays in Detroit where they use him and, and Jamal Williams is like a platoon. So he's almost playing mm -hmm. in the wrong way. Right. Um, I think that with, I mean, he's, he's only 23 years old. He's got a lot of career left ahead of him. And with Absolutely. running backs, they could either go way up or they could go way down. It all depends. If they can have stability, like if Dan Campbell remains the coach and there's stability and they kind of build around him, he could be a really good player. But, uh, you know. In my article, I wrote that I'm comfortable taking him as a running back too, you know, as that RB2. But then I start to see like James Conner, Ezekiel Elliott, Cam Akers, Josh Jacobs, J.K. Dobbins, who we know has been suffering with some injury issues. But J.K. Dobbins, I want to just throw out, is was the most dominant running back to come out of Ohio State ever. Like, he broke, like, Eddie George's records. Like, a lot of people don't remember that. Saquon Barkley's under him. <sighs> Leonard Fournette. I mean, there's a lot of running backs that you could put in that RB2 position mm -hmm. that I'm just thinking, man, I know he's a Tier 3. I know he's sitting around that third, fourth round of draft picks. But to me, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I can't put my finger on this one. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna kind of agree with this. I think uh in the sense that I think he's gonna go later instead of earlier. I think there are plenty of second tier running backs that'll go ahead of him. I think from a football perspective, you're right. I think this is a kid with a lot of upside, um, good third down back, good good all around back, um, you know, receiving and running, obviously. Um but yeah, I probably would look to him as more of a flex piece or a bi week piece. Um maybe if you pick lower in, in one of the rounds and you really kind of miss the boat on running back because you went other places you know hope for some upside on this kid well and this is why it's really strange because fantasy pros kind of has him set up like he's gonna be like a top four round pick right like he's gonna be an rb2 that you're gonna have on your team however like right. so it's almost being set up like he's not going to be available in the seventh round in the eighth round which is probably where i i'm looking for that flex player bi-week player matchup right. player right those are where you get your matchup players right a guy who's who's got some talent where you're waiting for the perfect week to put him into the game you know and that's always been i always say that's where i my success comes in fantasy football it's not necessarily from the draft it's from what i do throughout the season and find those those optimal matchups and know where to where to put players but i mean he could go in the first three or four rounds and i just think the guy who takes them or the person who takes them in the first three or four rounds like i just i think it's a mistake yeah i think you'd be reaching here i think you'd be buying into the fact that maybe with a couple of good picks this year and how weak the nfc is the lions may take a 
a jump here but also and that may be true like listen this kid looks like he may be poised with his skill set for a third year leap but when you're a pl platooning back too it's like and we know this better than anyone as patriots fans right that as good as Ramondre stevenson is for example as good as damian harris is they may not get you the points on any given week Regardless. No, ex exactly. And I think like one of the things that I, I need to stress this to people, when we talk about fantasy football and where somebody lands on a fantasy chart, it's not the same as is on the field. And let me use an example. Sure. I have been getting torched by Buffalo Bills fans the last couple of days. I don't know if you've noticed because I put a piece out on DeanBlondell.com titled Fantasy Football 101. That's the fantasy piece I put out there, right? Yes, you did. Josh, expect Josh Allen to regress this season. If you would have not reacted to the headline and just clicked on the article, I spend the first paragraph just fucking blowing Josh Allen. You know what I mean? Just slobbering like all over Like you normally do, yeah right most dynamic quarterback in the nfl i go through the whole thing but then i talk about it from a fantasy perspective right sean mcdermott does not josh allen ran the ball 122 fucking times last season sean mcdermott does not want him running the ball 122 times he had over 800 yards in rushing i said at, you're gonna split those yards i'm expecting 450 maximum maybe maximum. seven Yes. maybe 76 60 70 carries we expect buffalo to address the running back position in the in the draft this year yet again buffalo bills fans who have turned soft as hell oh fucking clickbait dming me you know what i mean you're just a you're just a, a an angry patriots fan and i'm like dude read the fucking article man like i'm talking about fantasy football i am taking josh allen first overall every day if i am building my nfl team i am not like it's i'm on the field is different than fantasy man yes absolutely and let me let let's approach this from a football perspective first the people that are kind of berating you right that are saying oh like you know what are you talking about do you want him to turn into cam newton 2.0 do you want him to have that many yards every year because eventually he's going to run into one of these big linemen and he's going to get hurt and he may not be the same after it right everybody yep. thought cam newton was invincible until he took that hit on his shoulder and was really never the same well that was his career basically after that right right now he's running around doing podcasts, getting himself in trouble, having to explain what he's talking about, wants to play for a, a team that's going to compete for a Super Bowl and will give him a chance to start. Right, well, well, yeah, well, if, jo if Josh Allen keeps running that way, maybe he'll be playing for Buffalo. Like, who knows? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. See, that's the thing, right? Who's Buffalo's backup this year? Jeez, I don't even know because they got rid of they uh I would have felt because I would have like last season I would have felt more comfortable if I'm Buffalo with Mitch Trubisky going into the playoffs, right. right? If something were to happen to Josh Allen. So yeah, anyways, that's all I was getting at. I was like, he's going to they're gonna protect him a little bit more. They're finally gonna figure out their Case run Keenum. game hopeful. So, okay. That's not bad, actually. That's, yeah, that's I thought bad. I thought Case was still in uh was still Cle in Cleveland. Cleveland. I guess not. Yeah, that that's not good. bad. If you remember when he came in when Baker was hurt last year, he looked pretty good. So that's a yeah, good backup as well. Yeah. You know, guys can make a career being like career backups and being like, like Brian. I know Brian Hoyer has, but Brian Hoyer is more of like because of his mind and because of his scout team abilities of being the backup quarterback. But like, yeah, Case Keenum and that guy for Dallas. What's his name? 
Oh, um, yeah. He won He won them a big game last yeah, year. Yeah, against. against Arizona. Like, those are guys who you don't need them to win you 10 games, but you need them to come in and win two games. Because let's go back to the 2020 season. Let's Cooper go back Rush. to let's Cooper Rush. That's right. Let's go back to the, the Patriots playing Kansas City Chiefs with Cam Newton out with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the first Patriots player to test positive. That was such a, that came down on a Saturday morning game, got pushed back to like a Monday at like four 30 or some stupid shit like that, or a seven o'clock start on a Monday. I remember, I remember it was going head to head with Monday night football at some point. Yeah. It was and, crazy. Yep. and Brian Hoyer comes in and I remember us having a conversation uh, on our Patreon, or no, no, we didn't do it on our Patreon because we wouldn't have had time. But I remember talking about it on Sportscaster. I remember talking about it with Connor, and we're like, "Hey, all Brian Hoyer has to do is go in there, manage the football, manage the game, and blah blah blah." He could have put the Patriots in a position to take the lead at some point for a Kansas City team that was playing like absolute shit. Brian Hoyer couldn't hold on to the football. He couldn't manage the clock. He couldn't do all this other stuff. That's what you ex- you expect your your backup quarterback to come out and be able to do that. Yet again, he's going to be the Patriots backup, which concerns me. You need a Case Keenum. You need a thing. That's why I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots do draft a quarterback at some point, looking for for their true backup. I don't know if Jared Stidham will ever be a true backup for New England. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with Jared Stidham, but again, to the the conversation of high quality backups, look at the amount of high quality backups right now in the league. Right, you mentioned Case Keenum. Um, Tyler Huntley, um, the Mason Rudolph, possibly. Yeah, Mason Rudolph. Didn't he just retire? No, no, no. That was uh, Doc Hodges. Um, no, Mason Rudolph's the the uh, the Pittsburgh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, who played for Arizona last year when Kyler Murray was out for a couple games too? He he won a, a game or two. Mm. Either way, it's again it speaks to the high. Not only is starting quarterback play getting you know judged by a different bar nowadays but so is backup play like you said you expect your backup to come in in the season not to be destroyed if they really need to run the team for a game or two look what happened when patrick mahomes went down in 2020 missed like what three or four games and fucking they didn't lose a game they didn't lose a game with matt whatever um yeah i don't i don't know his last name either and then mahomes goes down in the postseason Andy Reid goes for it on fourth down and picks it up and beats Cleveland, right? Yeah, no, the backup quarterback position is so important. And I'm wondering if when this whole contract situation, let's go back since we started on Detroit, let's go back to Detroit. Jared Goff, once this once this contract goes back to normal and, and you're going to give him what he probably deserves, which is like a six to eight million dollar contract, right? He could be a very sought out player, especially for a competitive team who's like, hey, we want Jared Goff on the bench because if Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or Mac Jones or whoever goes down, that's a, like, you know what? I'm feeling confident with Jared Goff coming off my bench. At least, you know, if you've got a good team around him, he can manage that game for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I still have my questions about Jared Goff, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in as a, is he a real starter? I think he could be. I think Sean McVay in that that. LA organization might have just been impatient with a young quarterback. Um, well, I think what their problem was there is is Sean McVay micromanaged him, right? Right? Like they could completely. Do you remember like it was like the Super Bowl and Belichick realized that McVay was talking to Goff like right up until that 50, 15 second mark when they cut off communication between the player. Yeah. So 
Belichick stopped showing his defense. Like he stopped, like the defense wouldn't get into formation till the clock hit 15. So yep. they couldn't convey a message to Goff because the, they didn't want Goff reading the defense. They never wanted to teach him. They wanted him, like he wanted to, Mike, he wanted to what I call madden him. Like, well, he yep. wanted to joy. I'm a soccer coach. And what we always call, we, we there's, and we always talk about the FIFA coaches. Right, the coaches who wish they had a joystick in their hand and could just move the players around the that, field. That and is they, Sean McVay, absolutely. Yeah. And they that try is... to micromanage the whole game, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like Belichick always says it. He's like, we try to put our players in a position where they know what they're supposed to do, and then they go out and execute. You know, like, and, and that's what good coaching is. And that's why um, Sean McVay isn't the greatest coach in the NFL, uh, no matter what some some people on Discord like to say. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And the other one, like I said, we, we talked about this last night, is Baker Mayfield's going to get an opportunity. I kind of hope he does because I, I think there's something there. I don't know how much, but I think there's something there. Again, Cleveland Cleveland does not tell all. That's a terrible situation for a quarterback to be in. Let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about more about quarterback. I'm going to shift this sure. a little bit. Sure. Um, we, we both kind of agreed DeAndre Swift – we would we would take him late, not early. Yeah. Um. But I want to talk a little bit of court. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, sir. What the hell is going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo? I think that's the question on everybody's mind. Is how you know you have a thirty million dollar backup sitting on the bench potentially, and who wants him? Um, but how can you do that to Trey Lance? That's my question. How can you? Sit there and tell your you traded up, you gave up future to get all the way to the third overall pick. You selected Trey Lance, the guy that nobody thought you were going to take, and said, This is our guy. How can you basically? San Francisco's kind of said, like, he's going to be our quarterback in 2022. That's been the plan. Jimmy's going to move on. And I sit there and go, How can you, how can Trey Lance have any confidence? with Jimmy Garoppolo sitting right behind him. Because I want to bring this back to a Patriots perspective. Sure. That's why Bill Belichick moved on from Cam Newton, right? Because and Cam said it in his Freaky Friday video. He's like, yeah. He's like, I was too big to be the backup. And I totally agree. You needed Mac Jones to go in there, be the starter, and be confident that like, hey, if I make a mistake, there's not a guy on the bench chomping to get on the field. Belichick also knew the kind of pressure that was going to come from the media if Mac Jones, who, let's face it, didn't start his first couple games the greatest. If Mac Jones or Cam Newton is sitting on the bench, they're going to start freaking out that you got to put them in. So if you go look at San Francisco this year, if you put out Trey Lance and the first couple of games don't go as planned, that California media, and let's not forget that San Francisco is a national team. They're like the Patriots, the Cowboys, right. the Packers, the Steelers. Like They're one of those core yes. 8-10 to 10 teams that have fans everywhere. They're not just localized. If the media and the national media and the talking heads – are all going to be on their shows. I can hear Stephen A. I can hear, you know, Shannon Sharp. I can hear all these guys going, hey, he hasn't looked good. Trey Lance, you know, they could have won if it wasn't for Trey Lance. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo. He brought you to a Super Bowl. You don't have a $30 million quarterback. I feel like San Francisco has no choice but to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. 
This is a tough decision because, and I'm gonna kind of remove the Debo situation from this as well because I'm just I'm just gonna make the assumption right now that they have the team that they have. I don't even want to get into the Debo argument right now. Um, they're still kind of primed to compete in a playoff race, and if Trey Lance really isn't that ready. $30 million for a quarterback is not... And again, I'm strictly talking about the money. I'll talk about the, the confidence of the quarterback in a second. Money perspective, you're still not spending as much money on both those guys as some teams are on their singular quarterback right now and their backup because teams to get a good backup now are paying on average from anywhere to 8 to $12 million. So money-wise, it's really not not a terrible thing confidence wise you're absolutely right unless they and there have been weird signals that we see trey lance is going to start well how do you have jimmy sit back there to your point and say to trey five games and you know what trey you won us two of these games but we're still not seeing it we really still want to compete for a playoff this year and the other thing that's going to bite for them and their fans are going to be pissed off at is if trey really isn't that ready the pick that they gave up not this year, but the following year could end up being like a top 10 pick. And um, who did they, the Dolphins, did they trade? So yeah, the, the Dolphins, Dolphins are, yep. are going to get another top 10 pick. Again, I think that's that's kind of out of their hands at this point, regardless. But you can bet there will, there will be a lot of commentary around that if they hand the Dolphins a top 10 pick. I totally agree. Then let's talk about San Francisco because we got into the whole Jimmy Garoppolo conversation. That was coincidence because they brought up, Mike brought up Baker Mayfield, but on our slate tonight is looking at the DraftKings future bets and future team bets. And we're talking Super Bowl winners. Mike, the San Francisco 49ers are the sixth favorite to win the Super Bowl at plus 1,400. The only five teams ahead of them, the LA Rams at plus 1,000, the Chiefs at one plus 1,000, the Green Bay Packers at plus 1,000, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus 700, and of course the favorites to win the Super Bowl at plus 650, the Buffalo Bills. You and I have already discussed both the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. We both don't believe they're going to win the Super Bowl. We both believe that they shouldn't be top four favorites to win there's no value there at plus 1000 the rams defending super bowl champions the only real big losses they had was was uh woods odell beckham and von miller so i still think they have the and they added Allen robinson so i still think that they have the team to be competitive the 49ers again is an interesting one altogether we just discussed the implications of jimmy garoppolo does jimmy g stay on the team does that make trey lance nervous does trey lance you know get the the chance to start is he the guy did he develop the way they want him to what's going to happen with debo samuel is he going to play this season is he going to be a a a draft trade you know situation are they able to replace them with equal talent well he's a little bit of a freak is he going to have is debo going to have the same effect on the nfl like he did last season because he wants to be known as a true wide receiver, not a gimmick guy. He's basically saying, hey, I'm not Cordero Patterson. I don't want to take the kind of punishment that Shanahan is putting me in on a week-to-week basis. I want to go out and catch the football. On paper, A, because the NFC looks so weak. B, because of the talent they have both offensively and defensively when you start breaking down all the different pieces they have. C, because they do have a coaching staff that has a little bit of a pedigree. I can see people saying, hey, 
plus 1400 on the 49ers winning the Super Bowl is a bargain. And I think you're going to bet on that. On the same time, though, there's so many unknowns around the quarterback situation, the, the Debo situation. Um, there's so much. The, the waves are so rough now in San Francisco. I can also see people turning around being like, hey, I'm not going to put money on that. And I'm going to say this to you, Mike. Betting with my money, I'm not betting on San Francisco to win the Super Bowl because there's too many unknowns. I'm not confident like Green Bay and Kansas City. I've already come out and said, I'm not betting on them because I don't think they're going to win. There's not enough value you could give me, but I don't think they have a chance to win. I do think San Francisco has a chance to win, but because things are so rocky there, I just can't risk putting my own money on the line for them winning the Super Bowl this year. No, like you said, I'm I'll recap again. Too too much instability at quarterback. A- a- absolutely. Like, listen, I I don't care if Jimmy Garoppolo does start and for the first ten games he looks amazing. He looks like Tom Brady. Um, you know, he'll he's bound to hurt get hurt, and then you don't know what's going to happen from there. Their best weapon, George Kittle, again liable for the same thing. Probably will have about seven good games. Then he's liable to get hurt. Where do they stand there? Debo doesn't. Again, I didn't really mention this, but Debo isn't going to be on this team. I, I think it's plain, plain and simple there. It doesn't sound like it's amicable to me. E- and even if they get a top 10 pick and they use it at receiver, can they plug and play a guy like that with a rookie quarterback? Potentially, I'm not I'm not sold on that. And even that division is still the hardest in the NFC, even though the NFC is weaker. So you're you're locking it in. Debo Samuel will not be a San Francisco Forty Nine ers. No, I, 49ers no, I, I I I do not think so. And I'll you know I'll quantify. Expand, it. expand, expand a little bit more because I'd love like really I'd love for you to to quantify that for everybody because that's a that's a big statement, right? This is a guy what three years ago that they drafted, and it'd right. be really strange because Nikhil Harry is probably not going to be a New England Patriot. You don't believe that Debo Samuel is going to be a San Francisco Forty Nine er? There's rumors, even though Tennessee's denying it, that they're not shopping AJ Brown, but there's some rumors if there's some disgruntledness with A.J. Brown. It's like that whole 29 draft class uh, could be on the move. And D.K. Metcalf, I mean, the rumors are running rampant on them just because Seattle seems to be falling apart at the seams, especially with Russell Wilson leaving. But you came out today and said, hey, man, you just you came out, right, said it. You said, hey, Debo's not going to be with the 49ers this year. So if you could expand upon that, that'd be great. No, it doesn't sound like a money issue. And the, and again, the quick remedy to the money issue, the $30 million a year was, okay, you jettison Jimmy G, you pay you pay Debo. A- end of story, mo- money's taken care of. But again, he sounds like he does not want to be a 49er. He does not want to be used as much at the running back position as he's being used, which is, again, part of Kyle uh, Shanahan's scheme. He likes a lot of movement. He likes a lot of misdirection. He wants to be a pure wide receiver. He wants longevity in his career. And I don't think anybody can blame him for that. And nothing something that really doesn't get mentioned is Mike Shanahan had a history of kind of using and abusing players and i think some of that is rubbing off on his son now i don't know how true that is but that legacy may be following him and there if mike shanahan has the influence in the building that we've heard and debo knows this maybe that's one of the reasons he wants out out as well is he's saying i don't want to get used and abused i want to play for 12 years in this league i want to get paid three times i want generational wealth i don't want to get paid once you know like like a running back and i totally understand that 
No, it was a big statement. <laughs> and you're right, Mike Shannon Shannon did use and abuse players, but it's a big statement to say, Kyle. So, so I guess what you're saying is, if I if I heard that correctly, what you're saying is, is Kyle Shanahan. This wasn't a one-year thing. He's going to continue to use and abuse Debo Samuel. And Debo's just basically like, forget that, dude. I need to go play football somewhere else where they're going to treat me like a receiver. They're going to take care of me. They're going to take care of my health. And they're going to let me get paid. Right. And, I, and I'll use ab- abuse in air quotes, right? Uh, basically saying abuse being, you know. No, I, I, no, I think we all understood what rough, you A we rough and tumble running back. I don't want anybody to think that they're going to go. Yeah, go run into those those three linemen and get yourself hurt. No, that, I don't. I don't think anybody was thinking yeah. that. Yeah. Um, no, I think he wants to play wide receiver. I think he wants to get paid like a wide receiver too, and I I don't blame him. Listen, we're on a trajectory in the next couple of years that wide receive good wide receivers or great wide receivers could be making the same as quarterbacks. Think think about that. So why do you want to put your career in jeopardy? Why do you want to put potentially hundreds of millions of dollars at, at risk because they want to keep running you like a running back? I, I just don't I don't see it. And I again, I'll, I'll come at this from the other direction like I did with a subject last night. If they can get a top 10 pick for Debo, Debo has had one excellent season. Other than that, he's had two good seasons. So you still don't know where this dude stands now is he a, is he a good player yes but he's a, he has he had six seasons of a thousand yards no you can get a top 10 player you can get it you can get one of the great wide receivers in this draft and just run with it get rid of the disgruntled guy take the picks and run all right so i'm going to give you one more tidbit before we move on here because i was on another podcast tonight prior to us coming on and uh Patriots guy and he just looked at me and said I think the Patriots are gonna have a number 19 on their team this year no. <laughs> I mean maybe no what's your thoughts I, you know I what he, you know what he's talking about yeah no I listen I, I don't disagree with this and I kind of mentioned it on our podcast the other night is I think Debo Samuel is a great fit for what the Patriots want to do because he can play inter- intermediate he's fast which is something that they're kind of missing um, they're still missing a speed element, and he's speedy in the middle of the field, which is really cool. Um, and they haven't had that since. In fact, Julian Edelman wasn't really speedy. He was quick. There's there's a difference. Um, and money wouldn't be an issue this year. You could fit him this year and start start the contract next year. So you, you'd probably be in pretty good shape. If you had to part with a first and maybe a later pick, maybe a third, they could do that, but I, I I don't see the Patriots matching some compensations of other teams. But what I I do think he would be a great fit in this offense. They could use him just enough behind that line of scrimmage on, on you know the jet sweeps and things they like to use. That I don't think he would you know feel like he was getting abused here. All right, everybody, make sure that you join our Patreon account, Patreon.com/slash/DPNSports. Uh, it's a place where you get lots of things. For five dollars a month, you get uh, direct access to us. We're DMing with our I'm DMing with our Patreon people all the time. Uh, you get to a- ask your questions and comments on every episode of the Dear Pat Station podcast. No matter what happens, you're always going to get the live video version of the podcast. No matter what direction we go in, um, whether that's on Patreon, whether you're just asking the questions, whatever, you get to come hang out on our Friday night hangouts, and uh, you get access to things like this Thursday, our draft party. Well, guess what? If you want to be live on our draft party, if you want to hang with me, hang with Mike, hang with Connor, uh, hang with Mario if you can make it, hang with Griff, 
hang with all the boys uh you gotta be patreon you gotta be a patreon member go to patreon.com slash dpn sports five dollars a month patreon.com slash dpn sports all right mike we got three questions after none last night they oh took let's your, go they took your heating of come on guys step it up and they stepped up and did their job articular pack six says with so many teams looking to move down do you think if a player bill wants is available that he will move up which is a not a weird question, but it's funny when you think about it from a Patriots perspective, because we've heard a lot of conversation this week about, or the last month about, don't be surprised if Belichick trades out of the first round. He's probably got one player. And if he goes, he's going to trade out. Mike yep. used the example of 2020. Justin Jefferson was the only first round player that Bill Belichick was going to take. As soon as he got picked up by Minnesota, he's like, boom, trade out. Um, so, okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I, I made it pretty clear. I, I can't remember if it was today or, or yesterday, but I did a piece about the Patriots cornerbacks and basically that the Patriots are playing with fire if they don't take a cornerback in the first round. However, Belichick just traded away a fifth to pick up a sixth round and a seventh round pick. Belichick mm -hmm. believes in value. You got to remember these first round picks, when you start moving into the top tens and you start moving, I mean, they're 21. So if they're moving up, they're probably moving in the top 15. Yes. You're giving up multiple draft picks. I think it was last year, what, uh, Philly traded out of, of, of 13 so that Chicago could move up and get uh, uh, Justin Fields. And they gave up, what, two first-round picks for that play? Like, they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot of draft capital. Philly had to yep. move on off of a first-round pick this year because they couldn't even afford salary cap-wise that three first-round picks. So because of that, I don't see Bella... Belichick wouldn't trade up to draft Mac Jones and get a quarterback, which is the most difficult position to secure. I just yes. don't see a scenario, no matter how bad they need a cornerback, of Bill Belichick uh, trading up for them. So there are two interesting pieces of news related to this today. The first was most teams only have about 10 to 15 players in this whole draft graded as what you would consider first round picks, which is very interesting. And then the second piece was the trade down market is basically garbage this year because because of that first piece of news. Um, now there will still be a couple teams looking to trade down and trade up. Um, the only person I could really see Bill Belichick trading up for is maybe like a Sauce Gardner, um, you know, or or a Derek Stingley. It doesn't look like Stingley's gonna fall out of the top five at this point. Um, so I don't see that happening. But if Sauce Gardner did fall to a certain point, or if I don't know, maybe Devin Lloyd did, then potentially. But again, Ray mentioned it. You're talking about trading up probably to like 11 or 12 where those guys would be to fall you know what you would consider air quotes fall and that's still gonna cost the patriots probably like a future second or even a first which i don't see bill belichick doing unless they're absolutely in love with the player if they think this person could be generational with their coaching and in their scheme no, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Thank you very much, Articular Pack Six. Let's let's stick with Articular Pack Six. Who says, in your opinion, what round would the Pats find the most value per pick, or do you think that Bill will be more interested in UDFA's and look for the most value there? 
in this year's draft because of the Patriots needs. And again, last night I ordered the positional rank that I think it is. I think it's cornerback number one, interior offensive lineman number two, linebacker number three, and wide receiver number four. Because of that, I think the value can come from the first four rounds. It's deep at interior offensive line. It's deep at wide receiver. It's deep at corner and it's deep at linebacker. Cornerback makes me the most nervous. And again, I, I covered this in my blog yesterday and Karen Garrigian did a great job of breaking things down that there's only like five, four short corners. The other ones all have like questions. Can they, they can be like great zone corners, but not great man to man. There's only like five cornerbacks that can have proven they could be a plug and play cornerback. So I think the Patriots got to use them in the first round. Even if it's a guy who's ranked to go like 30th, take them at 21st, I think is important. Or if they move up to like 19, they don't jump up a lot, but they move up to, to, to get them, you know, a little bit ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Once we start getting in the second and third rounds, I mean, I think there's a lot of value there, which is why I don't think John Mechie is going to be a, a, a Patriot anymore. I can't see the Patriots taking him in the second round with the other two needs that are still going to be on the table. Um, so I do think they're going to get a lot of value in the, in the higher rounds in the second, third and fourth rounds. I agree with you. And, and, the more and more I think about it and the more and more I look at the draft if Andrew and Andrew Booth may not even be there and some of the latest projections he's been going a lot higher than than he was uh, a week or so ago Andrew Booth seems to be the guy because he's very malleable he can fit you know what they want to do as far as evolving scheme or chameleon scheming on defense so there, there's that but the other other thing and you know I was kind of looking at some other drafts today they really need to look at a replacement tackle for Isaiah Wynn. I just, I don't trust him. Even if he's healthy, do you give him a new contract? So if they, if they saw a tackle down there um, at the bottom of the first that they could use, go for it. Because at this point, I'm not sold on Isaiah Wynn at all. No, no, he was a turn. I mean, when he's been good, he's been injured, and then he's been a turnstile. Um, thank you, Articular Pack Six, for your two questions. Our final one comes from Alex uh, Danio, who says, What team do you think could make an unexpected pick, and who would the pick be? Kansas City having two first round picks could do a little bit of a reach with like the 30th or 31st pick, having the back to backs. They could sit there and say, you know what? We're not picking until the end of the second round. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're yep. picking 30th in the second round. You know what? We got two first round picks. Let's just take the guys who we think are the best that fit our team right now. That are maybe high second round picks. The 30 and 31 is basically almost a second round anyways. I could see Kansas City maybe going off script a little bit. and Maybe taking a guy. I don't think it's going to be this guy. But let's, for example, say like John Mechie. Taking him with like the 31st. Because they know he's probably not going to fall till whatever that is. Like 59 or whatever it is in the second round. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I hadn't put that. I had always put them in kind of the trade up category, but Andy Reid is really good at identifying offensive talent. So he could see those guys in the second or I guess late second to your point that people are kind of on the fence on and he can go, I'm going to make something of these guys. I don't need to wait till the second to take them. Let's just get them now. Let's secure them. We'll have the fifth-year option on them, which will be even great. Will they be kind of overpaid? A little bit, but who cares? You know? Yeah, no, I I totally, totally agree. Um, Totally, totally agree. 
Uh, thank you so much, guys. If you want your comments and questions answered on every episode of the Dear Pat Station podcast, make sure you join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash DPN Sports. And uh, as the rest of our content changes, as we get deeper and deeper into what we're doing now, nothing changes on Patreon. You'll always get the video. You'll always get access to us. You'll always get to hang out. Um, Mike, it is shocking how bad Nelson Aguilar performed for the Patriots this season. Like, yes, it is shocking. And we talked a little bit about it last night, but I want to go a little bit deeper into it if we can, because so yesterday I wanted to talk a little bit about Nikhil Harry, uh, basically because I figured we don't have much more time to talk about him. He's going to get traded, you know, wanted to have that little bit of a discussion. And so I went on PFF and did my normal thing that I normally do to be like, here's how this guy performed last year and blah, 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 blah. And I kind of choked a little bit because a couple of guys surprised me. Kendrick Bourne being a top 25 wide receiver, ranked at number 21. Jacoby Myers being a top 35, being at number 33. Mm-hmm. Surprised me that Devontae Parker was ranked below those two guys. But what was the craziest to me was Nikhil Harry being graded higher than Nelson Aguilar. And then when I looked at his stats, 59 targets, 37 receptions, 473 yards, three receiving touchdowns. Here's the craziest part. Nelson Aguilar, known primarily for having brick hands that can't catch the football. One drop last season. Now, granted, limited opportunity. 65.9 overall rating, 64.6 receiving, 63 rushing. Again, I I was absolutely flabbergasted that Nelson Aguilar was the Patriots' worst wide receiver last season, which has now made me sit back and wonder, were the critics right? The people who kept saying the Patriots overpaid because I kept saying, hey, Nelson Aguilar has a drop problem. He can still be a stretch guy. He can still be, you know, that guy for the Patriots. However, it wasn't a drop issue. One drop. He was a scheme issue. He was a fit issue. He was a get open issue. He was a Mac Jones issue. But was, again, was that Nelson Aguilar last year? Is it change this year? Do they let Mac Jones eat a little bit more or cook Mm. as they like to call it? Let Mac cook. Will he be as protected? Will the run game be as prominent? I don't know though. To me, it just shocked me, Mike, how bad Nelson Aguilar was for the Patriots. Yeah. When you, when you read the stats last night, my, uh, you know, I don't remember my exact reaction, but my internal reaction was my jaw kind of hit my desk. Uh, to hear it that way. I feel like if we went back and looked at the, the tape, looked at the highlight reel, it wouldn't look quite as bad. But um, yeah, and this is this is something, and you know me, my first, my first reaction was to say, oh, well, scheme fit. Well, the scheme's going to change this year. They're going to let Mac do more. We had a rookie quarterback. So in other words, yeah, I wanted to blame Josh McDaniels, and I wanted to blame the rookie quarterback. But I think it's more than that. You paid this guy like a number one receiver. Um, and he did not produce that way. And again, when we talk about Nikhil Harry kind of producing, let, let's let's say the same. And, you know, we, we think, uh, you know, less of him than, you know, Demir Bird. I would say he contributed more because at least yeah. he helped in the run game. Yeah, it's it's shocking. The one thing I will say in Nelson Aguilar's defense, it was right around the Colts game when he got hurt. He was making some high traffic, 
high point catches that really did impress me and then he kind of got hurt so it seems like when he was just kind of finding his stride he got hurt and then the team kind of took a downturn so there was a lot of people too if i can point out that the micah hyde interception yeah in the in in the the wild card game now We've seen people argue that if Mac Jones throws it a little harder and a little higher, that doesn't get picked off. But a lot of other analysts analysts were saying, like, why is Nelson Aguilar basket catching that and not high pointing that ball? You know what I mean? Like, that's a high point ball. If he high points it, Hyde doesn't get there. Right. Um, I just, yeah, I, I defended Nelson Aguilar a lot, right? Like, to me... The eye test is not matching up with the traditional stats and yes. the analytics. I agree. But I always say to people, like, the eye test is so important, but sometimes, like with DeAndre Swift, the the stats were not lining up with the analytics. Like, he was still a 1,200-yard running back. He just got it in combinations of different ways. How is he rated so low? How is he the 59th worst type of thing? Where with Nelson Aguilar, the stats and the and the the analytics are matching up completely, and that's when it's a problem. You know who? And I should now that I see it, I wish I had compared the Philip Dorsett, who we trashed on, right? And you know, Aguilar, if you boil it down, was meant to be this like speed element to kind of just stretch the field mainly for the tight ends right and Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby to kind of catch things over the middle of the field again if you compared like Philip Dorsett's stats to do the same thing I wonder what they would be because you're paying somebody 15 million dollars to catch a couple of footballs and be a stretch element well that's that's a way overpay that's a way overpay at that point and again it, the the money seems kind of moot at this point because the receiver market's just gone bonkers. But again, if we go back to what they paid him, you know, two two seasons ago at this point, we were I, I you know we didn't think he was that guy even then. No, and it's funny because we talked about his contract now looking like a bargain after Christian Kirk. Right. But um, let's talk about bargains. So the Green Bay Packers move on from Devontae Adams because they gave Aaron Rodgers a huge contract extension. And hey, when you become, for only a couple of weeks, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, there's going to be salary cap casualties. They franchise tag Devontae Adams. He's like, hey man, I ain't playing on any franchise tag. You better find a way to either pay me or trade me. Green Bay's like, dude, we got to trade you. And he's like, oh, well, that's too bad. See you later, guys. They trade him off to Las Vegas. They yeah. bring in who uh, they they bring in a, a couple of players in the Green Bay. They lose Scantling. They bring in um, Sammy Watkins. Rogers is like, hey man, Sammy's a good dude. I like him, but he's not good enough. You got to give me more weapons. Like Watkins is not replacing what Devontae Adams brings to this team. So they're like, hey, you know what? You know who's pretty loaded? We'll call Vegas again, and we'll be like, hey, give us Darren Waller, and 
now they're apparently the Raiders are having conversations with the Packers from with Waller. Now I'll get Waller's stats in a second, but Mike kind of brought this up last night. This is also changing what Josh McDaniels was just talking about six to eight weeks ago when he's like, yeah, I want to run the two tight end system and blah, 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 blah. And Patriot fans like Mike were like, what do you, you never didn't run it when we had to in new England. What are you going right. to do there? Now they're looking at getting rid of Darren Waller. But let me talk about this, Mike. 90 targets last season, eighth in the NFL amongst tight ends. 55 receptions, 15th receiving yards, 665, 11th, right? He's two, two touchdowns all season, tied for 27th. Finishes the season with a 68.2 grade on PFF. Um, six drops last season. So again, we're talking about a big guy, six drops. 29 years old, going to be 30 years old this season when some point during this season, because he's 29.6 years old. And so can, I, some, can I stop you there point, for one? No, no, he's going to be okay, 30 okay. years old. Let me finish it and I'll give you your point. Sure, sure. Um, they're talking this trade. It's just a weird one to me because you could have had this conversation back when you were trading Devontae Adams. And if this trade happens, what's happening with Vegas without Darren Waller? Go ahead. So where I wanted to stop you there is for some reason, I think people forget how Dar- how old Darren Waller is. He's 30 years old. He's not a young tight end. You're not going to have him for, you know, a huge amount of time. I think people forget that he played in the while in the league for a while and was pretty unsuccessful because of, you know, some personal things. Um, it, it, it is really interesting what they're trying to do here. And again, the weird thing to me is traditionally Aaron Rodgers hasn't thrown to tight ends. And B, they have a pretty good tight end who got injured at the end of last year. So why are, are they looking to run a two tight end system now? Which is really strange because, again, Aaron Rodgers isn't known for eating up the middle of the field. He's known for kind of taking, taking the stretch plays. So it's really strange. It's really strange there. Yeah, it is. It's it's again though. I mean, you're right. The age could play a factor. Like they could be sitting there right now, being like, you know what, dude, um, we need to go for it. You guys have some some talent. You know what I mean? You got yeah. Devontae now. You're gonna have him for a long time. Give us Darren Waller. Go find a tight end. And, and hey, there's some tight ends in this draft. Let's not forget that. But you know what else you have, Mike? What do you have? I have been getting pleasantly and not pleasantly surprised by Patriots wide receivers this last week. Uh, <laughs> I really have. You know what I mean? Like it's been yeah. weird as we've been kind of investigating some of these players. I mean, next week we'll get into the defense, but as we've been investigating some of these players, I'm like, Hey, Jacoby Myers, top 40 wide receiver on PFF, a 74.7 ranking. And then I see this tweet that comes out yesterday. <clears throat> I saw it yesterday. It came out two days ago. It comes from PFF, New England Patriots. Um, highest rate of contested targets caught last season. Number one, Mike Evans, 75%. Makes sense. Jalen Waddle, number two, 70.6%. Makes sense. Number three, CD Lamb, 70%. Makes sense. Number four overall, Jacoby Myers at 69%. I have been on the train of, man, I don't know where Jacoby Myers fits into this Patriots offense. I don't know where he's going to 
what what he what role he's going to play is it going to be big is it going to be small is he a surprise cut candidate a surprise trade candidate is he a patriot in september he's definitely not a patriot in 2023 like these are all the things that i've been saying for the last few months i see this today and go wow now let me lay out the stats and then i'll give my opinion on it. now 120 sure. or 121 targets last year 20th overall 83 receptions 866 yards two touchdowns again ends up with a 74.9 grade uh 33rd overall second best receiver on the patriots that's not really surprising just behind kendrick Bourne. but the contested catch is what i saw that's what caught my attention the mm-hmm. patriots want to play tough football now you got Devontae Parker, who's going to be one of the best contested who's one of the best contested catch catchers in the NFL. You've got Jacoby Myers, who's the fourth best, apparently, at least in 2021. You've got the tight ends who are going to go out there and win you some contested balls. You've got James White, who can win contested balls. The hard running game. Jacoby Myers, regardless of what the Patriots do in the draft, may have a bigger role on this team than I initially anticipated. They may be looking at bringing back Jacoby Myers next season. He may not be what I think some Patriot fans wanted was that, you know, Julian Edelman role, which I've been saying forever, is not Jacoby Myers, but he can play the outside. He can play the inside. He can win contested footballs. You've now got two receivers and two tight ends that can win contested footballs with a slot guy in Kendrick Bourne who can fly up the field with the ball in his hand and make plays. Mm-hmm. Um First of all, I think people are underrating what this Patriots offense can do, but I think we uh, may be looking past the role that Jacoby Myers may have on this team. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point to bring up. Um, you know, so two things. You basically mentioned what the Patriots love about him is he's versatile. He can play all over the field. He may not play exceptionally well at any of those given places, but he, he can play all of them well. Um, second, we'll go back to kind of the eye test that we mentioned before. I think the reason that you and I have kind of been on the fence about him is he did miss some big throws and big moments repeatedly last year when we expected him to take really a big step last year. And, and while he may have moved forward, I don't think it was there. Um, that being said, though, you had a rookie quarterback. So there's some give and take there. Now, to the overall makeup of the team, reportedly he's beefed up to about 220-some-odd pounds, which is right about where Nikhil Harry uh, plays. So they are looking to be big. They are looking to be bruisery. They're really looking to hurt people and outlast them in games from from the sounds of things. You know, uh, Mario brought it up last week. You have a bunch of 6'2", 220 receivers that are just looking to get physical with people. And it's funny that, again, Jacoby is really stepping into the role that they they wanted for Nikhil, but it's it's interesting to see that maybe if they can't even find a trade partner for Nikhil, he's basically a mirror of Jacoby at this point, just not as good, so that they keep him around just in case somebody gets hurt. Yeah, the Patriots are going to be a rough and tough team to play. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Dear Pats Nation podcast with Ray Rout and uh, also with my man, producer Mike, our co-host. Uh, guys, don't forget, this Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, we are going to be hosting the NFL Draft Party. Unfortunately, our boy Rico over at Buffalo Fanatics has already claimed Kevin Gerard. And oh. that's, uh, 
I'm going to try to work something out, though. Maybe he can come pop in for five minutes and just say hello. You know? That'd be good. Let's respond to him right now. Let's do it. Maybe you could pop in for five minutes and say hello. Rico wouldn't mind. I like Rico, but you're not going to steal Kevin Gerard from me. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Go to rayroute.com. Uh, check out the, we got the new merch up there. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, let me just share it for the peeps on YouTube. I'm excited. I don't know how you feel, Mike. I'm excited, but I like it. I'm I like excited. the new I, I saw it today and I was like, I got to order some of this stuff. Yeah, I like the new designs. I got the Toronto skyline in there. I figure I want to just pump up my 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 Torontoism a little bit. I got to blow these up a little bit, get these up here. But we got the graffiti let numbers. Dude, we got some other cool stuff that's coming out. Water bottles, mugs, glassware, hoodies. Um, I've got a different design that's uh, that's coming up that I think is going to look really, really sharp. Head on over to rayroute.com. Check out our store there. Get some of our new merch. And, of course, you can check out our uh, uh, podcast episodes, blogs, videos, all that kind of fun stuff. Make sure you head on over to deanblundell.com, right? We are a part of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network. You can find my blogs over there as well as the podcast. You can also find all of the other content happening. Guys, download the Halftime app. I am meeting with Halftime again tomorrow. I think that our official partnership will be kicking off next week week um where we'll be getting some uh, some cool content going up on there looking forward to that um i don't know how much more i got to talk about i think i'm good mike are you good i think I we're good. all good audience is good patriots are good guys never forget no matter where you are you're all legit kid To the Blue Hotel I wanna live at the Blue Hotel The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares It's for the open-minded The pleasure seeker It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.